Good morning, church. It is an honor to be up here preaching in front of you today. If we have never met, my name is Luke Bellata. I serve as the communications associate here, kind of manage our online presence. And again, it's just an honor to be up here. Um, before we start, tomorrow's Memorial Day. Um, that's a day that we take um, and remember those that were lost, those that gave the ultimate sacrifice serving our country um, so that we can have the freedoms that we have today. I want to take time to just acknowledge that. And later on, as Brian mentioned, we'll be taking communion. Communion is something we do in remembrance of, of Jesus' sacrifice for us and dying on the cross for our sins. And so we can celebrate that and be thankful um, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the opportunity to be saved and have salvation. Um, and so just wanted to acknowledge that before we started. Um, let me pray before we really open it up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word um, that you have preserved through this time. Thank you that we can gather thousands of years later and continue to look at your word and, and have a deeper appreciation for who you are and what you're teaching us. Lord, I just pray today that we will leave with um, a greater love and a deeper appreciation for your word, that we can know you better by it, um, that it teaches us and corrects us and helps us to become more like you. And so I just pray those things, Lord. I pray for myself. Guard my tongue. Guard my words today. Help me not to stray from your word. And I just pray that uh, you will open the minds and the ears and the hearts of those here um, to hear your word. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. So when I was thinking kind of what to prepare for, typically we go through series, we go book by books, and we've kind of hit an in-between point. We were going to do something during the summer, but now we're kind of in between. Um, and two weeks ago, Brian, I thought, did a great job preaching on just the importance of being a part of a church and what kind of the first steps of a new believer are. And he did that through showing through Paul's life and how he gathered with other believers. And then last week, Mark Johnson did a, um, a great sermon on the Good Samaritan, which again, similarly, very important for us as all believers to be reminded of that, of that parable, but especially for new believers, how to walk, love your neighbor as yourself, um, and, and keeping God's commands. And so I kind of went along with that theme, I thought, of a topic that is a great reminder for those of us who are, are mature in our faith and have been walking with the Lord for a long time, but also something that's important for, for new believers as they're trying to um, discipline their lives to, to follow and serve God. And so I just, today I want to talk about the importance of Scripture and the importance of our Bibles. And um, we're going to be focusing mainly in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you guys want to go ahead and open your Bibles there or your apps or, or whatever you do, we're going to be 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17. Um, myself and some of the other college guys the past couple of months, we've been going through 2 Timothy. We actually went online and went through the, the regroup notes as a church, if you remember, we went through 2 Timothy back in 2019, um, and so those notes are still there. You can go back and listen to the podcast at any time if you are interested in that, or you can go and look at the notes and use them as a devotional. That's kind of what we did. Um, so just a quick little plug for the website. There's a ton of great resources on there if you're looking for things um, to help in your devotion. And so the title of the sermon is Equipped for Every Good Work. And so this is a line that we see towards the end of um, the passage that we'll be going through today. You can also follow along with the scriptures online as well, fxchurch.com, click the little black banner at the top, that'll take you to our service page. All the scripture that we're gonna go through today is linked there as well, so if you wanna follow along. So, 
My hope is that after this message, we will all leave with just a greater appreciation and a deeper love for God's word. It allows us to see God and to know God. And so that is my hope. That is my goal. So before we dive in, I just want to give a little bit of a background, what's been happening in 2 Timothy leading up to this point so that you guys get a full context of the scripture. 2 Timothy is one of the last letters Paul wrote to Timothy. Timothy is his spiritual son. He opens the letter saying, calling him my dearly loved son. It's a very close relationship that they had. Um, Paul was kind of a mentor to Timothy and a co-laborer and took him along on his missionary journeys. And you can really see that as you read through 2 Timothy. It's a very personal letter. Um, Unlike some of Paul's other letters that we see, this one you can really see just the connection um, that he has with Timothy. And up to this point, uh, Paul so far has covered a lot. In the beginning, he gives thanks for Timothy. He also is thankful for Timothy's family, specifically his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. Um, And they had, it's mentioned, great faith that they instilled in Timothy at a young age, and so Paul gives um, specific thanks for them. He also challenges Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel, and also to not be ashamed of Paul himself. And that's kind of an interesting thing. Why Why would Timothy be ashamed of Paul? And it's important to realize, too, that Paul is frequently in prison, and there may have been people at the time who didn't want to associate with Paul because of his constant imprisonment, not constant imprisonment, but frequent imprisonments. Um, If you see someone who's called by God, but yet they're in jail, that's kind of hard to, you maybe don't want to associate with them because people go, oh, well, maybe you're like that guy as well. Um, And so he's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. Um, And so to be um, a follower of Christ, there comes with a lot of difficulties, Paul tells Timothy. Um, And and that's nothing new he knows as he's followed along. Paul also tells Timothy to deal with the false teachers in Ephesus and challenges Timothy to stay true to God's word and um, focuses on the difficulties that will come in the last days. If you remember back, our series was called Last Days when we went through 2 Timothy in 2019. And so we will continue on picking up in verse 10. Uh, And we're going to go all the way to 17 today, just those seven verses. I'm going to read them all together, and then we'll kind of pick them apart uh, verse by verse. So 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 10. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Continuing in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. And you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so we're just kind of going to go through that verse by verse. Going back to verse 10. Paul starts his letter by saying, but you, talking to Timothy, saying, but you. 
Paul had just gotten done talking about the false teachers in that day and how they were straying from Scripture and saying that the resurrection had already occurred um, and that is happening in Ephesus. But he contrasts that with Timothy by saying, but you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Paul is saying, you have learned these things from me. You have seen the way that I have lived my life. You have seen the way that I live with a purpose on a mission. You have learned these things from me. And Timothy more than just learned these things, he exhibited them, he followed them. It wasn't just an academic knowledge of of how Paul lived, but he followed him in it, so he also um, lived out that faith. Paul reminds Timothy then, continuing on, of three different times in verse 11 that he was persecuted and endured suffering. It says, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And these three um, different cities that he refers to, um, there's record of them in the book of Acts. And so we'll look at those in just a second. But they're interesting cities to reference because they were from Paul's first missionary journey before he had taken Timothy alongside him. And so sometimes people wonder why he would reference cities that Timothy wasn't there for but we actually know that Timothy's hometown was Lystra. And so we can probably assume that Timothy at least was aware of what had happened to Paul there if he wasn't there. Um, And so first, looking at Antioch, the persecution there, that's going to be in Acts 13.50. Um, Keep a hand in 2 Timothy. We'll flip back there in a sec. But uh, we see in Antioch in Acts 13.50, but the Jews incited the prominent women who worshipped God and the leading men of the city They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. Here we see Paul and Barnabas were expelled from a city because they were preaching to the Gentiles and the Jews did not like it and they were not happy at all and so they were exiled out. So that's Antioch, the one that he references. Continuing on, looking at Iconium. This is in Acts 14, 5 through 7. When an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to assault and stone them, they found out about it and fled to to Lyconians towns called Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding countryside. And there they kept evangelizing. Here we see Paul and Barnabas learn of an attempted stoning that was being planned against them. They learned about it and they fled to to nearby towns. And I was originally just going to put in verse 5 here, but I loved verse 7 so much is that and, they were, and, they, and there they kept evangelizing. They didn't stop. They found out there was a plan to stone them and attack them. And they just left and continued on doing what they were doing. They continued on evangelizing. Um, when persecution comes, we are to continue on um, living the way that we live. So lastly, looking at Lystra in Acts 14, 19 through 20. Um, this is the last one that Paul references It says, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Those are the last two places Paul just was that we just referred to. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And when they had won over the crowd and stoned Paul, they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. After the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the town. The next day with Barnabas, he left for Derbe. And so here, Paul was stoned and was dragged out of the town. He was left for dead. They thought he was dead. And so this is just some of the persecutions and sufferings that that Paul just reminds Timothy of, that you've seen that there's a cost to follow God, and that cost um, should not surprise us. 
And so we'll, we'll jump back over to 2 Timothy 3.11 where we left off. Paul continues on, what persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. We have to remember, Paul is in jail at this time. I can see him sitting there and encouraging himself with this message. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. He's currently being persecuted, he's currently suffering, but he knows that the Lord has always rescued him. And he's at peace because he knows that the Lord may choose to rescue him in jail, but he also may not. He knows his execution is likely coming. And if he doesn't rescue him there, he will rescue him into eternity spent with him. And so Paul is at peace there, we can see. And he goes on and says in verse 12, in fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, that doesn't sound very good. I don't, that can't be right. I don't want to do that. Um, let me check. Okay, in fact, all those who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Okay, that is correct. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to us. If you know your Bible... Jesus said something very similar in John 15, 18 through 20. Jesus said, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, and the world, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. This isn't a surprise to Timothy either, reading this letter. As he had been with Paul, he had seen these sufferings. He had witnessed these persecutions firsthand. But we have to remember that God rescued him from them all. We have to continue on. We expect persecution. Continuing on in verse 13. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Okay, so we'll pause there for a second. First Timothy's talk, or Paul is talking about evil people and imposters will become worse in the last days. There are two groups there, so evil people and imposters, and those that are deceiving and being deceived. How are we to know if we are being deceived? How are we to make sure that we are staying true to God's word and the leaders we are listening to are staying true to God's word. We have to continue in what we have learned and firmly believe. We have to know the word of God. We have to know it well enough to not be deceived. We can hear something that, that sounds kind of churchy, that sounds kind of like, oh, that's probably the Bible, but if we don't know it, we really can't be, tell we can't be sure. So we must ensure that we know and we're continuing on. And again, here we see in verse 14, the same thing, but as for you, Paul continuously talks about those that are, are lost and the evil and wicked people, but then contrasts Timothy and saying, but as for you, that's the same as for us, but as for us, we have to continue in what you have learned and firmly believe. He's saying, Timothy, you grew up with the scriptures. You had a great mother and a great grandmother who instilled these scriptures to you as a young child, and you've lived them, you know them, you believe them. You need to continue on doing what you're doing. Don't stray from God's word. There will be lots of temptations to, to stray, but do not stay true to what you know. You know those who taught you, Paul says. You know me, I've taught you. You know your mother, you know your grandmother, you know their lives, you know their faith. It's important that we realize that by saying this, you have to live out your life according to what you believe. He knows that 
Paul lives out what he preaches. He lives out what he said. He could see in the lives of his mother and his grandmother that what they taught him, they also lived out and they were an example of. Um, That's key. If Paul had said, you know those who taught you. And so he could see that Paul had taught him the scripture, but if he looked at Paul's life and it didn't match up what the scripture had said and taught him, he'd be like, okay, so well, what do I believe? You say that I should believe these things, and yet you live your life according to different, different ways. And so it's important that we understand that there's more than just knowing scripture, you must live it out. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So in verse 15, he says, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not a parent. I hope to be someday, but I'm not right now. So this is somewhat parenting advice, but take it as a grain of salt. I have no children. But I believe that this is probably pretty solid advice. But (laughs) hold your breath. It is extremely important as believers that we raise children in the faith, that they are involved in the word of God on a daily basis, that we are teaching them at an early age that they can grow up and know Jesus and that Jesus loves them and there's forgiveness and grace and salvation. Um, And for parents and spiritual parents and older siblings and aunts, uncles, and, and whoever that you're teaching, but again, you're also living that out. I think a lot of kids may struggle if they know that their parents teach them something. I know I'm supposed to be good. I'm supposed to follow what God says. But then if I look at their life, well, that doesn't really match up with what they they teach me. Sometimes you say, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that's not really a good model when it comes to to teaching or or anything. You want a servant leader. You want someone that's going to lead by example. And so parents, I encourage you, um, lead your family in a weekly devotion or a daily devotion. Make sure you're checking with your kids that they understand that how to read their Bibles. They're reading their Bibles. They're praying Um, Timothy is a great example of someone who, we don't really hear much about Timothy's dad, but we know that his mother and his grandmother um, were people of great faith and instilled that in him at a young age. And that's partly how why Timothy was ready to be called by Paul is because he had such a great faith and a great base built up there that he was already ready to go. So keep that in mind. There's your parenting advice um, from a non-parent, 23-year-old, newly married man. Uh, please enjoy. I'm very wise, I know. Um, revolutionary. I should write a book. Okay. In verse 15, picking up where we left off, you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is why we need scripture. Scripture gives us the wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is one unified book that leads and points to Jesus Christ. All scripture is important. It all leads to wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. We cannot abandon this. um, And we shouldn't take for granted that we have such easy access to the Bible here in America. Um, I'll hit on this a little bit more, but we have had It translated in English, the whole Bible translated in English for hundreds of years, and yet there are many other people around the world that do not have one verse of scripture in their own language. 
And we take that for granted. We have so many different versions and translations we can look at, and yet we still don't prioritize our Bible. We don't see how lucky we are that we can own these. We can have them on our phone. We have free access. And so I'll talk more about that later. But um, we're able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, one other thing going back, just a stat. I've heard Brian has talked about this a lot. Our youth pastor talks about this a lot. But going back to just the importance of children understanding and being raised in the word of God. Um, there's a stat, according to the Barna Group, only 6% of adult Christians made their decision to follow God over the age of 18. So that means 94% of adult Christians committed their life to Christ before the age of 18. So 94%. That should both be scary and encouraging, but also challenging at the same time. Um, the years up until 18 are extremely important in building a firm foundation in Scripture for, for children. And so, I found a quote when I was preparing for this, um, just kind of the importance of Scripture, that's what I'm getting at, like, we need to love the Word. And this is a quote from John Piper in 2004, and he's just talking about why he loves his Bible, and when I read it, I was like, okay, I can't say anything any close to this, so I just had to take his quote exactly because it's, it's, it's really good, so I'll just read it. This is John Piper talking about why he loves his Bible. He says, I love the Bible the way I love my eyes, not because my eyes are lovely, but because without them, I can't see what's lovely. Without the Bible, I could not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Without the Bible, I could not know the unsearchable riches of Christ. Without the Bible, I would not know that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. I love the Bible because it gives the wisdom that leads to salvation and shows me that this salvation is nothing less than seeing and savoring the glory of Christ forever and then provides for me inexhaustible ways of seeing and knowing and enjoying Christ. So that's the kind of love we should have for our Bible. Our Bible are, is our eyes. My father-in-law is here um, in the front, Bob. He, used to, he had um, eye surgery recently, and he's always kind of had poor vision, something that runs in the family. My wife also has poor vision. Um, but he recently got surgery, and he was just talking about how amazed he was to be able to see the details of the leaves and the birds and the feathers and the colors and just being amazed by that. And that's how we should view our Bible. We should be amazed that we can see and know and see God's glory and the beauty in his word. Um, that's the heart I want to have. That's the heart we should all aspire to have is to just love the word of God because it lets us see our Savior. Continuing on back in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 all scripture is inspired by God. Okay, hang on, let's pause. All scripture is inspired by God. Not some scripture, not the New Testament, not the Old Testament. All scripture is inspired by God. What does inspired by God mean? Well, it was God breathed. God spoke these words and inspired the authors to write these, write these words um, these are God's words to us. 
And so we cannot neglect any part of scripture. It is all in there, even the the chronologies, the genealogies, all the kind of boring parts that we typically skip over. They are there for a reason. They are inspired by God. Um, And so they're inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Okay, the Bible is profitable, Paul tells us. Do we see our Bible as profitable? What, what does it mean to be profitable? I come from a business background. I have a business degree from, from IU, and I, I work in sales now. I'll tell you, we don't do anything at work that isn't profitable, profitable to us in some ways. If I'm selling something at a loss, I'm not going to sell that. If I'm not making money on it, if I am hurting our, our margins, I'm not going to sell that. I'm not going to do things that I don't see are profitable. Do we see our Bible as something that's profitable? Is that something that we see the need to read and to learn about God each and every day? If we're honest, I don't always see it as profitable. Sometimes I'm like, oh, a nap's more profitable to me right now. Short-term benefits, I know that a nap would be great right now. I could read the Word of God, but no, I'll take a little nap. I'll watch a little YouTube, watch a little Netflix, you know. I just kind of need to just take a break. Um, but the Bible is profitable. This is how we know God. And, and why is it profitable? How? Paul tells us that it's profitable for teaching. It tells us things that we don't know. It helps us have a deeper understanding of who God is and how he wants us to act in response to that. Profitable for rebuking. What is rebuking? Rebuking is confronting me with something that I say I believe, but my life doesn't consistently line up with that. Being rebuked. Profitable for correcting. It's exposing my messed up way of thinking and behaving, and it corrects that. Leads me to repentance. And it's profitable for training in righteousness. That's knowing what is right. If we are in the word of God, if we have his spirit dwelling within us, it will constantly be changing our hearts to be more like Christ. Exposing the the sinful ways that we have thought and, and changing that so that our heart is more like God's heart. So that's why it's profitable. And it's profitable so that the man of God may be complete. Okay, are we not complete already? The man of God may be complete. That means that we're not complete. There's a hole. There's something missing. I've heard it said that we're all born with a God-sized hole in our hearts. And we are constantly trying to fill it with something filling it with money, with relationships, um, with whatever that is, sports, um, creativity, art, whatever you're looking for, you're trying to fill that hole of like, this is who I am as a person. And yet that hole can only be filled by God. And we are constantly searching for that and spending our lives, but that can only be be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the last part, equipped for every good work. The title of sermon. So you're telling me that every good thing God wants me to do, the Bible equips me for? Is that what that's saying? So the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, how does that work? That's what I want to know. How, are we, how does the Bible equip me for every good, good work? Is it, this book is so large that there's a list in here of every single right or wrong that God wants us to do, and it's like, okay, God, what do I do? Okay, um, looks like 
I can go ahead and, and do whatever I want. This is okay by God. Oh, this is not okay by God. And we get into that. No. And we can't fall into that temptation of thinking because two reasons. For the first, the Bi- our world has changed a lot since the Bible was written. The Bible does not mention anything about birth control. The Bible does not mention anything about internet, cell phones, cars, guns. Um, there's a lot of gray areas that we live in now where, okay, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about how as Christians we are to respond to these things. And so if you're looking for this to be a list and a rule book to follow, it's not there. And that thinking also leads to legalism. That's the second reason that we, we can't let ourselves think this way when we're looking at this. Legalism is basically means that you're just believing that your obedience is your salvation. I'm doing these things for God so that I can get into heaven. And if I don't do these things, I will not get into heaven because I'm not being obedient. And that's a completely wrong way of thinking. Rather, our desire should be to be obedient as a result of our faith and bearing good fruit because we have been changed and we want to grow more like Christ and to know him more and to live that out. So the Bible, how does the Bible equip us for good work? If it doesn't doesn't tell us every single question we might ever ask, how does the Bible do it? The Bible equips us for every good work by revealing grace, beauty, faithfulness, love, and wisdom that God has shown us through Jesus Christ. Like Paul just said back in verse uh, 15, which are able to give you the wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible gives us wisdom for salvation. Each day we can wake up and see God in his word and we can renew our minds with its word and we can change how we live our lives based on the deeper call that we have with him. And so we are to meditate on it day and night. The Bible also equips us by changing how we view sin. Again, through the process of sanctification, as we grow more and more like Christ, the things before we knew Christ that were sinful, that we used to love to do and could do with no guilt, we now have guilt that leads us to repentance. Um, And it changes the way we live, and it changes our heart. And so this is why it is crucial for us as believers to be in the word every day. And so there's three takeaways that I'm going to kind of go through that I would want us to take from this passage that we can get from Paul's encouragement to Timothy. Number one, reading scripture allows us to see our sins and to know Jesus as our Savior. Again, this is the crux, the main crux of the Bible. The Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus. Like Paul said to Timothy, Scripture gives us wisdom for salvation in Christ Jesus. We are able to learn and see Jesus through Scripture. This is the window to which we can see God and see his beauty. And so, like I mentioned earlier, don't take the Bible for granted. I think we so naturally take it for granted how easily accessible we have the Bible. Like I said, we've had it translated in English for hundreds of years. We can get it on our phone. We can get it on the internet. I have probably three Bibles of my own. They're everywhere. You can get them pretty much any access you need to it. And yet, still, in 2021, today, with all of our technology, the internet, all that we have, there are currently still 3,945 languages with no scripture. That's not even one verse translated into their language. That's 167 million people with no scripture at all. That's not even including those that 
have a couple verses translated or are slowly being translated, may have the New Testament or a couple books. Um, There are so many people that do not have the ability to read about the hope that we have in Jesus and the offering of salvation that's been given to us that we can see in our Bible. There are currently many being translated in many portions of Scripture, but have we taken time to read it? Do we realize how lucky we are with this gift? Have we read his word, if we call ourselves Christians? Do we take time? Do we prioritize reading his word in our lives? Do we see it as profitable, like Paul said? Maybe the reason we don't read our Bibles is because we don't see it as profitable. Uh, There's this self-help book that's only 50 pages, and it's got 10 steps to being a, a successful husband. Well, maybe I should look there. That seems really easy. Just 50 pages. I can commit to that. Um... But we have to see our Bible as profitable above all else. This is how we respond and learn about God. So just don't take for granted your access to God's word. I hope that you can can leave thinking about that because it's something that I've certainly taken for granted, just how lucky we are to have the entire scripture translated into English that we can read at any time. And there's those across the world that do not know of Jesus and do not have it written down that they can learn and see. So number two, reading scripture teaches us how to live and how to share about Jesus. So it's imperative for us to learn and to know scripture. We have to know scripture, and more than just knowing scripture, like I said earlier, we have to live scripture out. If people know Christians as, well, their Bible says one thing, but they are constantly living a different way. They are not loving their neighbor. They are constantly doing things that are complete opposite of what Jesus has told us. We cannot be those people. Why would you want to follow a group of people, be a part of a group of people that says one thing and does not live that out? And we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. We are trying, and we are constantly getting grace and forgiveness, but we're trying to be more and more like Christ in that way. And so why? One reason is that we're not deceived. We need to make sure, Paul warns Timothy, that more and more in the last days there will be more people that will uh, deceive people. We can make sure that we are not being deceived and we need to help those that are see that that is not the case according to God's word. We have to know God's word to do that. So there's a lot of kind of sayings that may sound, you may, I see a lot on, on Twitter and things that, oh, they sound really nice, but when you think about it or you line it up with scripture, it does not match. So like something you might see is like, follow your heart and it will never lead you astray. Well, that sounds pretty good. My heart's pretty good. I, I love the Lord with my heart. It'll never lead me astray. Um, so if, I, if my heart says to do it, I'll go do it. Um, but if we look in the Bible, like it sounds good. If we look in the Bible in Jeremiah 17.9, it's not going to appear on the screen, I apologize. But Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Oh, okay, well maybe I'm glad I checked that because I could have easily been deceived thinking, Oh, my heart, God created me, he created my heart. It'll lead me to him. No, the heart is deceitful more than anything else, um, the Bible says. So we have to know scripture. And we have to check and line things up. We also need to know scripture and read scripture so we know how to share about Jesus. How do you share the good news of the gospel if you've never read it? If you've never experienced it? If tomorrow God called you and placed someone in your life to share the gospel with them, would you be ready to do it? Would you know where the scripture is to to read through it? 
It's very difficult to share the gospel if you don't know it. We have to know the word of God. This was put on the test for me when I went to Ecuador. I've been to Ecuador on two different mission trips. Um, and I've shared this story before with people, but if you haven't heard it, when I went to Ecuador, Ecuador is a very unique place because it's a very heavily Catholic population. Everyone, um, where when you're evangelizing to people, here, if we go up to someone and say, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, you might get a lot of mixed responses. No, I don't. I'm agnostic. I don't really believe in, in God. Um, but if you go to Ecuador and you ask anyone on the street, 95% of the time, they will say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Like, just from a basis. That is their starting point. Everyone will say they know Jesus and say that they believe, but no one really knows him in a relationship. They have not been taught to read their Bibles. And so it creates different challenges, but it also is easier in some ways to evangelize because you go there and you say, do you believe that the Bible is God's word? Almost all of them will say, yes, I do believe but they don't know what God's word says. And so when we were in Ecuador, when we minister to people, we, we bring Bibles with them and we walk them through it. We want them to see it with their eyes. So we have them open up their Bible and see parts and read about how they have been deceived and seeing the truth of God's word. And that was something that was really awesome to actually see the power of the scripture, which I feel like, again, we take for granted here in America, but seeing people's lives change by seeing that, oh, this is what God's word said. This is how I'm supposed to live. And that was challenging, too. It put a test on me when we would go out and minister because I had to know my scripture. I had to know which references to pull. I had to know, okay, um, so they're dealing with idol worship. They're worshiping things besides God. Okay, well, I need to know in my Bible where it talks about idols and how God's response is to that. And so that was very challenging. And I knew some of them. I had a lot of bookmarks, but also there were some ones that, man, I knew, I know this scripture is in here, but I don't remember exactly where the passage is. And, and for that, I was very thankful to have either of the Snyder girls with me on either trip, Isabel or Sydney. I'm going to brag on them for a quick moment. They know their Bible very well. They're people that have memorized scripture and study it uh, very often, which I've been very grateful for. So I'd be talking, and then as the translator is translating what I said, I'd lean over to Sydney or Isabel, and I'd say, hey, you know the part of the Bible that talks about this? You know, like this line right here? Where is that? And then they would pull it up real quick as they're still translating. and be like, here it is. It's in uh, Titus 1. And I'd be like, oh, thank you so much. And then I have the scripture there, and I can show them. But if I didn't have them there, I would have been no use. I would have said, they would have, I would have been the same teachers that they had been getting in Ecuador where they don't show them what's in their Bible. They tell them what's in their Bible. And I would have been the same. I would have said, hey, somewhere in your Bible, it says this. And they would, who, who are they to believe me over anyone else if I don't show them in their Bible? So I was very grateful for that. It's very challenging. I encourage you to take that challenge. If you go to Ecuador, you don't have cell service most of the time or ever. If I am on my phone, typically if I'm like, if I was in America, I could be like, okay, here's the passage I'm looking for, search bar. Uh, type this in. Oh, it's in Titus 1. Oh, awesome. But no Wi-Fi, no internet. Old school Bible. I need to get back on my sword drills, my Bible drills to memorize scripture. Uh, and so I'm very grateful that I had the Snyder Girls with me um, to help. So shout out Snyder Girls. Mood bless, yes. Um, so... But yeah, do you know your scripture well enough to share? If someone were to ask you, what does the Bible say about this? Would you know? It's okay to not. You could always respond with, 
You know, that's a great question. I actually don't know, but let me look into that and get back to you on that um, if you're not ready. But we have to be ready. We have to be ready to share the gospel. So that was number two. Reading scripture teaches us how to live and share about Jesus. We have to know the word of God to share the word of God. So number three, the last um, takeaway I want us to have is that reading scripture is a discipline. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples comes from a discipline. We have to be disciplined in reading scripture. We have to discipline our lives around it. Look through the book of Psalms. There are so many Psalms that talk about delighting in God's word and in his instruction. Just a couple I'll go through real quick. They won't be on the screen either. But Psalm 1, 1 through 3. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We need to be like that. We need to delight in the Lord's instruction and meditate on it. Psalm 119, 97. Psalm 119, one of the longest psalms, full of delighting in God's word. How I love your instruction. This is Psalm 119, 97. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Are we thinking about God's word as we're going through our day? Are we thinking about what we're learning in our devotionals daily as we're going through our lives, as we're interacting with people? Are we thinking about that? Psalm 119, 105, just a couple of verses later. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Are you meditating on God's word day and night? Are you prioritizing God daily? Sometimes I like to think I'm a busy person, which is not true. But, and I, I don't have time to read my Bible sometimes, but then I'll spend an hour on my phone, or I'll watch YouTube, or I'll take a nap, and I'll just say, oh, I'm just too busy, I have to take a nap. Um, I really like naps, if that's not clear at this point. Um, professional napper. If you think your schedule's too busy for a devotional God, I challenge you, take a day and just log Everything you do. We did this as an exercise in one of my media classes, as like a media journal, just to see how influenced and how much we see media every day. And so for one day, we had to record every single time we looked at any piece of media. And so every time I picked up my phone, I had to record it. And I had to record for how long and what I did. And then if I watched TV, I had to record that. Or I was on the internet or on my computer, I had to record that. And it's amazing to see how much time I spent looking at media and looking at there's so much time that could have been spent with God and with God's word. So if you think you're too busy, I challenge you, go through your schedule and find points where you're not making time um, because we all have time. I hope that this sermon, you will see the value that the Bible has and the power it can have to transform lives. I hope you leave this place with a new appreciation and a deeper love for God's word and that you will continue, if you already are, daily meditating in God's word. And if you're not, I hope that you will take that challenge to, to change your life and to read God's word every day. And so a short action plan to, if you're needing to make that change or you're really trying to commit yourself and discipline your life to reading God's word. Just a few more things and then we'll finish up. Number one, get a Bible plan. There's resources all over the internet. It's a great way of just daily reading. It tells you what 
You're going to read these verses today, um, and it reminds you, set notifications on your phone. Um, there's many great Bible plans that you can go through. Um, parents, like I mentioned too, lead your family in a daily or weekly devotional. Check in with your kids. Make sure that they are reading God's word and prioritizing that and pray with them. Be realistic when you set up these prayer plan, or these Bible plans. Don't try to read the whole Bible in a month. Don't be ashamed to go slow. We've only gone through seven verses in 2 Timothy today. Only seven. Don't be ashamed to go slow. Go at your own speed. It's better that you understand two verses than read four chapters in a day and I don't really remember anything I learned. Another thing you can do, find someone to hold you accountable. If you're like, man, I really need to get in God's word. Find someone to hold you accountable. Have them check in with you weekly, daily. Say, have you read your Bible? What is God teaching you in your Bible? This was something that was, was challenged to me my freshman year. Uh, I would meet with Matt sometimes, and Matt would always ask me, what's God been teaching you in your, in your reading, in your plan? And boy, that's the worst question, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, what did I read this morning? Ah, crap. And so, if I can't even tell what God's been teaching me, well, I'm not really getting anything out of it. I need to be diligently reading. Clearly, I was reading, I was probably reading like too much and couldn't remember what any, literally anything I read that morning. And so, that was something that taught me to go slow, take notes as you read. Um, God, man, me, do is something we always talk about here at FX um, when you're looking through scripture. What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about man? What is my response in this? What am I to do? Um, take notes. Go slow. Um, listen to the Lord as you read. And so if you, if you don't know where to start, if you're like, okay, that sounds great. I know that I need to have a daily devotional but I don't know how, or I don't know where. I don't even know where to start. The Bible is so large. Talk to someone. I pray that you will reach out and talk to someone and say, hey, I have not been prioritizing God's word in my life, and I need to do this. Reach out to someone on staff. Reach out to someone at church today and just say, hey, hold me accountable to doing this. It's extremely important. I see that. I've been struggling. I need to do it. If you don't know how to read your Bible, if you don't know how to pray, talk to someone. Talk to someone that you know that does. Have them teach you. It's something we don't teach on very often is how to have a devotion. We, we know we have to do it, but we don't really know how. No one really teaches us how. So go slow. Make sure you're understanding what you're teaching. And so I, I pray and I hope that each and every one of you, if you're already having um, a daily devotion, that you would continue on that, meditating on it day and night, delighting in the Lord's instruction. If you are not, I pray and hope that after today, you will leave with a greater desire and love to want to see God through his word. And so let me close in prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is good, it is profitable, that it gives us wisdom for salvation through Christ Jesus. Lord, let us not neglect your teaching. Let us be like the psalmist and meditate on it day and night, taking delight in it. Lord, I pray those of us here who may be struggling, keeping up in their reading, or, or they don't even know where to begin, Lord, I pray that they would reach out to someone and ask for help how to do it. 
Maybe the Bible is just extremely intimidating to, to, a new, to an outsider, to a new person. I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know anything about Jesus. I don't know anything of what I'm supposed to do. Reach out to someone. They can help walk with you and read through the Bible with you. I pray that they would do that. Lord, those of us who are doing a good job of meditating on, on your word day and night, Lord, I pray that you would continue that desire, cultivate that, and Lord, help us to live it out. Help us to not just know your word, but to live your word so that we can shine a light in the world for you that points back to you, not for ourselves, not for our own glory, but all glory for you and you alone. Lord, just let us want to love your word more and more. I just pray these things and make these things. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to speak today. I just thank you for your word that you preserved for us. I just pray these things in your name.